Hey there and welcome back. I'm Lucy Barkas and this is the Leader X podcast, the future of work. In my book, Leader X, a call for X-generation leaders to step up, take control and lead with impact, I share the five mys of leading organizations and teams. My legacy is all about getting clear about what you want to create, the impact you want to have on your people, customers and the world around you. Ultimately, your purpose. It's the opportunity to dream a little bigger, craft a clear vision and to strategize. But how do you do this when the world is so unpredictable and fast changing? In this series, I welcome futurists, people who hang out in the possibilities of the future of work. And I ask them about what's coming up from branding to AI, automation and culture, products to talent development. Nothing is off limits. The goal is to inspire you, challenge you and help you think bigger about your impact, your legacy. Head to the website to sign up to the 3WH newsletter, where those who are serious about leadership now and in the future will get all the tools, tips and methods to be the leader they wish they'd had. And coming up, how removing a bin from someone's desk can create all kinds of panic and also be a nudge for environmental change. Today, we're talking to Justin Hyde of Work Evolved, who is a workplace culture specialist. So who better to talk to about this crazy world we're now finding ourselves in? I want to hear his predictions about the future of work and also what leaders should be focusing on right now. He's currently providing his clients with an agile working toolkit so they can really maximise the opportunities for their teams um, and their leaders to manage remotely, as well as giving advice and support on how to deliver efficient and compliant workspaces. So as employees return to work, or not, he explores what the workplace will evolve into. So hi Justin, how are you today? Hi Lucy, I'm great, great to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Oh well, I was actually really excited to uh, talk to you anyway because I was trying to think um, when we last met in person and, um, and I reckon it must have been about seven or eight years ago um, and at the time you were leading a campaign which was all about um, sustainability I guess so it was promoting the car share and recycling um, and you know it was something that I was really passionate about and I wanted to get involved with um, and I remember your passion about it but also I, I really loved the way that you approached it which was it, it just spoke to me almost because you weren't pushing it on people you weren't you know trying to you know mandate that this is the way we were going to do it you you took a little bit of a a, a nudge nudge approach like putting everything around and making life easy so people could make positive decisions um and yeah, so, yeah it was about winning hearts and minds so just tell me a little bit, why, why did you take that approach or is that just the way that you do things? Yeah, absolutely. Crikey, you're taking me back a bit there. Um, things have moved on. But yeah, I suppose ultimately for me, just like yourself, recycling um, and sort of all the whole um, environmental social element was a massive positive thing for me. I've been passionate about the environment as far back as I can remember. I remember pulling tin can, cans and, and um, 
you know, uh, various different things out the bin and, and sorting them for my parents, much to their confusion when I was young. Um, but actually, for me, it was about kind of bringing that to life. And I've been given a great experience in my empire days of given the opportunity to go to Antarctica, which was um, basically for an expedition. We we went we worked with a, another organisation called Twenty Forty One. But the the realisation for me from that was that actually, Empower had a great um, sort of appetite for change and. Um, my passion was was very much focused on it so I was able to bring that to life with an opportunity that came up and help guide people on the same journey that I already felt I was on so um, yeah absolutely it was all about kind of the, the opportunity to, to share that experience with people and say you know we can do things we but we don't necessarily have to beat people with a stick to do it so you hit the nail on the head with the word easy in fact that was our campaign word um, which was environment action sustainability in you and that was some some work we came up with which was kind of saying actually it, this isn't complicated you know taking away desk bins from people's desks isn't complicated but making sure that people have the right facilities to to sort their waste so um, you know I, I worked with my boss at the time I came up with a design which we uh, tested and trialed actually in the same site that you and I worked in in Worcester um, and that was then embedded across the rest of the organization once we've made some tweaks um, and actually now I feel that's best practice and I've been working with other organizations around similar similar things and have rolled that out to other locations too it's so, so funny because I'd completely forgotten the bins and <laughs> oh my the resistance to start oh, off yeah. with and I, I didn't realize people got so emotional about having a dustbin next to their desk I know it's bizarre, but yeah, literally overnight we all came in and our bins were removed. And yes, you know, for me as one of the senior leaders, I was having to like cajole people along. And then actually within about two days, people had forgotten all about it and it was fine. Um, and that's why I said sometimes, you know, it, it's just that nudge um, that they need just a, a gentle push, Absolutely. which is why I loved it. But yeah, I'd completely forgotten about that. And uh, it was hilarious, really. Yeah, funny, funny the things that, that people are uh, emotive about. But it was, uh, yeah, I can remember just, you know, using the time where we had the real challenges. You know, I actually went and spoke to people, sat down at their desk and sort of said, you know, how can we support this? And, you know, bits of feedback, stuff like, as silly as it sounds, oh, oh we don't like the smell from the bin. And you start to think, well, that's in a that's in a communal area away from the, your bin, which would have had your old food in it. So, <laughs> yeah. you know. You, you solve the the problem by putting a lid on it but yeah it's it, it's it's amazing but it it drove change and actually um empire's recycling rates went up dramatically because of it just from from small incremental changes um but it meant a lot of stuff but people not that people were being lazy because people were busy doing other things but actually people had the chance to sort their waste um and it and it really drove that and i'm i'm proud of that as just one of the many outcomes that i had in in that particular role so Tell me a little bit about what you do now in terms of, you know, because I know that you run your own consultancy now. Um, so a little bit about, yeah, what took you from the work that we, I knew about you back then to where you are today and how you serve your clients? Yeah, so I, um, I had been basically delivering workplace change for some time. So after that particular role in Empower, I... Uh, set out on a program of work um, which was focused around delivering new innovative uh, and creative spaces um, something which the, the business called agile working you might have heard of it uh, also termed as smart working or new ways of working or even activity-based working so, i think i heard all of them at the time <laughs> exactly um, lots of different names but actually all meaning the same thing that we actually 
took away, I suppose, which is always a, a fear um, of assigned desks in our workspaces, but instead uh, gave back a whole different raft of, of workspaces for people to perform their tasks. And this included booths, pods, uh, places where people can take calls, so call, call booths, that kind of thing, all acoustically sort of sealed, uh, or as much as possible at the time. Again, a lot of it was iterative, so we went, we, we sort of learned from different projects and, and drove this on and, and delivered different things. But actually what it meant was that we were able to deliver a huge amount of workplace transformation, uh, reduce our organizational costs, um, and that meant potentially sort of consolidating buildings, bringing two, two buildings into one. Uh, in fact, we did that in Worcester, which worked really well. And then we went on to do a big project in Leeds uh, and, and also sorting out doing similar thing in our Solihull office. So um, what it meant actually from the perspective of the employee is that they were able to actually work um, work more from home when they wanted to. So they were given the choice. They had the right tools and the technology to do that. So there was kind of three pronged approach to doing it. You had the workplace, the technology, and then the people side. And the people side above all was the most important one to get right. So um, it was about sort of pushing pushing the, the future and the art of the possible. So taking that as a lesson learned, I then have done projects with Aviva and I also uh, since then gone out and branched out onto my own work. So I set up a consultancy uh, earlier this year, um, just before our COVID-19 pandemic struck, uh, but have seen some real, uh, really good uh, outcomes from that. It's been working with some really good clients. Um, and for me, I suppose my role as a sort of a workplace futurist, um, again, understanding um, what the art of the possible is for organizations, you know, how they can get the best from their people, you know, improve the employee value proposition. Um, but also kind of, for me, it's about the passion. You know, I love doing it. I really love the engagement. I love the challenge that comes with it. Um, and hopefully that passion comes across when I'm working with my customers too. So, um, And it, it's really interesting because um, obviously you and I are talking about, you know, the, this initial move that started, yeah. what, seven, eight, nine years ago. Um, and we start thinking about, you know, call it the, the future of work, whereas a lot of companies, it's literally the first time they've even thought about remote working or home working. And um, later on, I've got a guest um, who actually works in the innovation team at BT, Nicola Millard. Um, and she said they were actually trialing this kind of stuff in the 1990s. Um, and so again, you know, they, they had the technology because they were BT to be able to trial some of this stuff. Um, and now when you start seeing, you know, people thinking, oh my God, this is all new stuff. And like, actually, it's been around for years it's just actually the mindset and culture change yeah, that's what definitely. we've got to get right again it goes back to that winning the hearts and minds mm. um and whereas i suppose bt and npower were you know the the first leaders to do it in many respects as well as some other really big um global brands that we know um and some are fast followers yeah. and then others are just literally you know it's um it's out of necessity that they've had to be inventive absolutely and uh, um so in terms of you know obviously you were a, a, almost a futurist but about seven eight years ago almost predicting mm -hmm. what was happening um what do you think it's going to look like in the future now now that most companies are on board yeah, I mean, it's a really good question. Um, I, I love, I, there's a great quote 
that, that always sticks in my mind by Winston Churchill. I'm not one for quotes, um, I find them massively cliche, but he always said that we shape our buildings and afterwards our buildings shape us. Whereas actually, um, for years that has been the case. Um, but actually we're in a completely different situation now. Something else shaping our behaviours, something we can't even see. Um, and we're actually in a position where organisations need to sort of start accommodating that. You know, just like you said, BT, people have been doing this for a long, long time and there's lots of really good best practice out there. Um, so for me, I think organisations, if they're, they're forward thinking, they're hopefully not just returning to their old ways of doing things. Um, although I'm still having discussions with people that want to do that, um, particularly some of our European um, partners as well and, and customers and, and clients that I've been speaking to out there have been uh, really keen to be uh, sort of returning to those sort of behaviours. But it's about educating them and helping them understand you know, what can be done differently and how they can get the very best from their people. Because I suppose the days of the, the big corporate HQ in the city aren't necessarily dead, but I suppose what is dead is that the concept that people will just return to those old ways of working is and then people need to start and you know at the top and the leaders need to start thinking differently around that you know with, as i mentioned earlier the employee value proposition needs to change too they need to start thinking um differently about kind of what they're going to be offering because otherwise people will vote with their feet and either not come into work and say you know this is not safe or they will simply go to another organization that offers similar pay and similar benefits uh, but with the added flexibility of working where they want to work and the trust that goes with it you know essentially so I appreciate we are in potentially an economic downturn at the moment, but I think you know things will change and things will, will uh, turn on their head on that respect eventually as things settle down and people will feel more comfortable to be moving to organisations that, that work that way. So, yeah, I mean, I think the future of work as it stands is probably an awful lot of home-based working, but hopefully the choice to still engage with colleagues. Um, so if organisations do it right, the way I see it is you potentially have what you might be termed as the hub and spoke model, which has been sort of banded around a lot recently, but you still have your core office, albeit it might be um, you know less space, less square footage than people are used to. Um, there's obviously going to be issues around what that looks like from the, the property rental market or the property uh, market as it stands. Um, real estate guys, I wouldn't want to be in their shoes at the moment, but hopefully if they have the ability to start thinking about the future, they can start reshaping their workspaces too. Um, potentially then looking at organisations saying, well, actually, do we need to look at serviced offices outside of our big HQs? You know, for people who might have children at home or people who, who just don't have the, the ability to work remotely uh, effectively. So, you know, you can give them all the training they want in the world, but they might, if they don't have a room or space where, um, you know, they're not being interrupted all the time. I, you know, I'm very lucky. I have a really good home office that's well insulated from sound and nice and toasty and warm in the winter, but a lot of people don't have that ability. So the fact that, you know, this is, this is kind of what the future looks like. It's giving people the opportunity to come to the office when they want to and actually use that time productively, not just coming in on the whole and just sitting at a desk and getting stuff done. Actually use the time, um, understand that when uh, they go to the office, they try and work and coordinate with their colleagues, go to the office too. Use the time to collaborate, use the time to, to socialise with their teams. So uh, even just thinking about um, the 
the obviously the home environment is mm. one aspect of it um and you know and I, I struggled yesterday um because i was thinking i don't think i've really been out the house i feel a bit isolated so i actually went and worked out of a coffee shop um for the morning and just to change the energy and get a different vibe and it really worked for me and then i see um reports of um i think it's we work the the um flexible desks and the yeah. Um, that they do co-working spaces they're mm. still investing in um, you know their property portfolio so they're seeing that mm. people will still want to go to a place of work even if it's just one day a week or for a morning or to bring their people together mm. but not just at the head office at you know regional pockets that they'll have these mm. um, and then when I'm thinking about you know the the core office space the hub like you talked about redesigning what those spaces look like and and i do remember you know the the end power days where i remember walking into the canteen and suddenly it all looked different because there were these little mini pods that people could use and mm. to me that was just genius to reinvent the space so that people could communicate have those spontaneous um, conversations and it actually it just didn't feel that formal and you know so when people aren't in that formal um construct they relax they're more honest they're more vulnerable more collaborative so to me just you know the future is really exciting um but it's about how do we educate others to start thinking like us exactly and you know you've hit the nail on the head you know to deliver that workspace effectively you do need to change you don't necessarily need to do wholesale fit out changes but if you're looking at delivering uh, better workspaces for, for teams to collaborate and, and have those more serendipitous interactions that we've mentioned what you need to do is potentially look at furniture solutions so you know where you might have a hundred desks in a workspace as it stands maybe you could um, you know potentially with a booking system or even just a um, first come first serve obviously in a covid world we might need to consider cleaning regimes around that but actually um, you know remove a portion of those desks and provide those opportunities so uh, you can literally do drag and drop furniture solutions there's so many great options out there booths pods um, you know kind of sofa areas whatever that may be huddle spaces people can get together you know if there's the right technology in those booths and pods as well you can collaborate quickly and easily so it's it's really fantastic there's a there's a great way of of doing this you know which won't necessarily always cost organizations huge amounts of money as well but if they invest the time in training the people and saying to them you know actually you you can have these interactions you can take time to have the social cohesion bit that goes with it um, then actually people adapt quickly and people feel more engaged with the um, with the organization too as well as their team so Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode and check back on past episodes such as the one from the brilliant Paul McGilvery who really challenged me to think about creating automated digital assets. And coming up, I talked to Hamish Gill about how he managed to secure government support to set up a local co-working space. And I want to know what drove him to do it. Make sure you're subscribed and look out for new episodes as they appear in your feed. And don't forget, there's more on the guests in the show notes. I was, um, last week I was on a call with um, my local, well, the, the, the regional libraries. And, um, and it was really interesting because obviously they're trying to look at, well, how do we use our space if people aren't coming into the libraries in the same kind of way? And we were looking at the options of, you know, how could you create 
a kind of co-working space to save the libraries. And we were talking about, you know, um, you'll have this more relaxed environment where people can come and book in, and but also, you know, have these um, spontaneous desks as well. But equally having pods and booths that are for a specific purpose. So you might have the um, conferencing facilities, but equally having maybe a soundproof area to do um, podcasts and another one to do actually video footage and another one to maybe even do photography of your products and things like that. Um, maybe That's even a, a creative idea. space. Well, I thought it was because to me, it was already them starting to think, okay, libraries, old fashioned, da, 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 da. But now they're thinking, right, okay, what will what will the world look like and how can we lead that and it's that kind of mindset that i want to encourage leaders um to, to start thinking you know what are the possibilities what what's really possible and always the you know go go and see what other people are, uh, are doing out there but always go back to your people and engage with them and they've probably got a million zillion ideas um, and is that an approach that you use with your clients in terms of any of this change, that engagement piece? Yeah, so I think it, that is, is really critical. So there's always an element that leaders have a, a, an idea in their head of what they want to get as a desired outcome. But actually, when it comes to um, kind of the, day, the, the actual physical delivery of the workspace, it's really important to ask the question. So what I try and do is uh, through this sort of internal social media channels is, is ask the question, um, you know, actually even if it's just down to what color you want the walls to be or actually what type of, um, you know, we've done it with the games room previously or, or even actually um, with street art, we've, we've delivered into a project, um, actually it was an empath project, really, really good having a local artist come in and they were able to choose who they wanted based on previous examples, almost voting. But, you know, again, the element of uh, creating the right spaces away from home, but actually in, in a more kind of community-based environment is, is a great idea. I'm sat there thinking now, um, probably hear my, my baby crying in the background. So I mentioned a reasonably soundproof room, not when she's just outside the door. But actually, if you had the ability to use, um, you know, potentially a, a pod or a booth in a space that um, was flexible and kind of gave that that drop-in ability in, in a community-based environment, people would flock to it. And I have no doubt about that. And I think there's there's definitely ability to reshape and rethink everything. We aren't necessarily, everything isn't set in stone and that goes for libraries and workplaces too, but it's about re reimagining what that could look like. And, you know, I've been having conversations with um, people who work in the property industry and saying, well, actually, rather than just saying that we, um, we will kind of uh, move away from our shops as shops start having, you know, suffering from the economic downturn. Can we start looking at uh, reinvent and reinvigorating those with sort of serviced office spaces or, or indeed, you know, community environments that people can uh, engage with each other um, from a work perspective and also from a social perspective. So, and actually I'd say to people who run coffee shops, you know, are you getting the best from your space too? You know, actually the world is changing perhaps you guys need to be rethinking too to get the very best from from your outcomes so yeah it's it's a really exciting time i think um and it's always interesting when external factors drive these changes because things don't just happen overnight sort of um i suppose uh organically in some cases sometimes it's change that needs to be forced upon us and we've definitely endured that in the last six months yeah, totally. And, and it is really interesting how certain um, people have, you know, took the challenge and got really excited in terms of what's possible. Um, mm. And others are harking back to the good old days. Um, and I, I remember reading um, 
uh, or, or saw on Facebook or something about um, a pub in Brighton. And it was during, I think it was one of the um, bank holidays. And obviously there was, you know, there was nobody there during the day. In the evenings, it might have been a bit busier. And um, so they actually, um, during the day, they have put themselves as a co-working space and said, come and book your table. You can have unlimited tea and coffee. You can have the Wi-Fi. <laughs> But just come and just come and see us. And I thought, what a genius idea! Because they they they've got an income during the day, and they you know transform it for the evening and serve their customers there. Um, and I think that there's going to be a lot more of these spaces. And one of my predictions is that you know these big office blocks that we've got everywhere, you know, like thinking Canary Wharf, mm. or maybe half of that space will become residential, yeah. and then the rest of the space might be a pure office, but the rest of it will all be this kind of collaborative working spaces and then with shops and coffee bars and maybe um you know music places the gym and so people are living and working and spending leisure time in communities and it's yeah. it's kind of like you know little pods almost and and i already know you know even in within london but where i live in worcester there are already zones you know you've got the boho zone and you've got the rocker zone and then you've yeah. got the you know all these and i can see that cities and towns are going to become more like this um which i really like definitely and i think you know that for me is an opportunity to, for reinvigorating the high street you know it's not it's not about saying just because there's not going to be the same shops there that we're used to um people won't come because people will come if there's other other options and actually we all have to work well, not all of us, but the bulk of us have to, to work and they want to, to have the engagement that goes with it. So, you know, organisations need to be thinking about social cohesion. But if there's an opportunity to partner up or, or kind of promote these alternative workspaces, then that's fantastic. And hopefully things will start sort of changing for, for the high street too, off the back of these sort of uh, forced changes. So, yeah, it's it's a hugely exciting time. And so in terms of, you know, if you were to take a time machine you know 10 years from now to um 2030 and by this stage um my leader x's you know the the youngest generation x and the oldest millennials <laughs> and some of the millennials you know they'll be you know the oldest ones will be in their their uh, 40s and coming up to 50s by then they will wow. be the people who are you know running the businesses yeah in 2030 and they've been through all of the, the you know the whole decade of change and technology and everything so if you were to zoom forward, <laughs> what do you think the world will look like then? Wow. So, I mean, there's a lot to think about with those kind of uh, questions. So actually, when it comes to the future, um, we, we sort of start thinking about actually what, what the workplace looks like, what our jobs mean to us. But actually, there's an awful lot to consider around automation. Um, and potentially how automation will sort of take over some of the more menial tasks. So for me, I've always had one eye on kind of what this future could look like. Um, so when it comes to, you know, how we travel to work, um, you know, I, I've had this, this vision in 10, 20 years time that streets that, that sort of around me that are full of terraced houses that are also full of cars will start emptying because we, we commute more simply using automation. So cars come from fields that are just parked up with solar panels charging them up and they come and pick us up and they take us to our destination. Of course, they're, they're all clean and tidy because you know the, the functionality works that way and we're hopefully in a COVID-19 free world by that point. Um, but actually, you know, when it comes to our workplace, that 
we're going through these kind of changes has enabled not only from the the physical outside environment but it's it's given um organizations the opportunity to learn to trust their colleagues more um they hopefully will will understand actually just because there aren't bums on seats presenteeism which is a thing that we've had in you know in organizations going back to your frank lloyd wright sort of created 1907 first open plan office where you know people people are sort of literally just battery hens in in a big cage um that's that's dead and buried i see that as dead and gone and organizations can pick and choose where they want people um sorry the other way around employees can pick and choose rather than organizations dictating so um yeah for, i think we will definitely see an evolution we'll see an evolution of roles the the whole peter drucker knowledge worker element which you know we we all know and love you know anyone is essentially a knowledge worker just because you work out on a on a checkout your processes are, are dictated to um we still will need people to do these roles we still will need people to be thinking uh, and engaging in developing organizations so for me it's about kind of bringing the right skill sets in you know focusing on the millennials and saying to them right now actually this is what this is what things will look like you might lose some of the things associated with the social aspects perhaps coming straight out of uni now that you'd be used to um if you were coming into an organization 10 20 years or well, even two five two to five years ago but actually what you'll get the benefits associated with you can effectively do your role from anywhere we might want to see you in in an office maybe once a week maybe once every couple of weeks but on the whole it's up to you to pick and choose and if that means you can then live um, in the outer reaches of Scotland as long as you've got um, a good data connection and you know travel in using HS2 we won't go there but uh, or it'd be HS5 by that point um, there's there's opportunities for people to to attract the right talent from any location so that there are no borders exactly yeah limited to the uk and and i think you know this is something that really does excite me that um you know even the prediction of a few years ago was saying that we were going to get more of this gig economy that there's going to be more contractors and more specialists who are brought in for specific work so yes you're always going to have your core bread and butter workforce but actually because things are going to be more project by project basis um, because a lot of the automation will be do, done uh, well automation will allow the the process the day-to-day stuff just to run in the background so the humans really add the value and so you'll work on that project and then you might go and work for somebody else on another project and that really excites me because it really brings um, the world closer together because I could be working with somebody from China in the morning and somebody from Brazil in the afternoon and then having great conversations with somebody else in America working on the same project and so yeah borders are gone and you know the employees or the talent have absolute choice that really is exciting but I suppose on the flip side of that new industries will come out so what what humans still need is this social side so maybe you know yes we've talked about co-working but but maybe there'll be more of these like meetup style groups or ways that you know the hobbies the the interest groups can start finding you know and that's what gives people purpose as well and that's the thing it doesn't have to necessarily be work focused i mean you see it now already on on social media in in organizations where um you know actually people are connecting up because of photos of their cats and their dogs and and it's brilliant you know walking groups people who um 
you know, live in similar areas, arranging um, social catch-ups with people they've never met before because they know that they can all go to one location and potentially socially distance, so they can walk the same routes, and it, it's amazing. And this will only grow and grow. You know, we, we, we're used to uh, potentially meeting new partners online, but actually um, the opportunity to meet new social groups online is just going to expand, I think, from this. And that, that for me, is, although it's not perhaps as natural as we'd be used to in our, in our sort of current lives, those elements of that which will will enable greater networks greater connections and build opportunities for people too so and you know i've got a 16 year old um daughter and already she is so connected to the world so we're talking about things that are going to be different that's just because let's face it we're we're middle-aged now um for the next generation that's coming i know know. (laughs) um but yeah for her generation actually you know well, her thing is Harry Styles and One Direction, and she will be chatting to people in, well, countries all around the world because they've got one common thing that bonds them. Um, and I just see more and more of this, um, this global community as well as much more local. So, so again, you know, for her age group, it's just, it's just going to be the way they do things. Exactly. Yeah. Hit the nail on the head. Yeah. So, yeah, it's going to be certainly an interesting time, and, and you know the best organisations out there are the ones that can, you know, see that future vision and tap into it right now. Because um, those that don't and want to sort of carry on the status quo and return to all the ways of doing things that that they're used to are just going to be left behind. So. Well, the way that I express this is, you're either a leader or you're a director, and you know. Um, I want to talk to leaders, the ones who are looking in the, for the vision, the strategy, the direction, um, and to say that, you know, leave the, leave the status quo stuff to other people to manage. And your eye should always be on what's coming next. Yeah. Because if you're not doing that, you're not doing your corporate social responsibility, really, to your people um, and to your customers and suppliers. So with that in mind, what one or two really top tips would you give leaders right now to help future-proof them um, and yeah the top priorities really so I think it's a very good opportunity to uh, for, for organizations to just have a knee-jerk reaction and say right we we've decided that everyone can work remotely um, and therefore we're going to close all our offices don't do that take a step back understand you know actually how people work what people want what's important to them what's important to your business so there are surveys out there um i've used not to, to pitch but um as, as an organization called leaseman which have surveyed company over half a million people across the globe from uh, you know hundreds of organizations um who basically i thoroughly recommend to anyone any organization who's looking to um, understand more about um how their their organization how their teams how their people work um, they can then give you an opportunity to sort of look look into a bit more detail and you can drill right down about what's critical to them, what's annoying to people when they're in the office and actually um, they've now launched a homeworking element too. So uh, they are just one of many, by the way, but actually, um, you know, the ability to survey, even if you do a survey and create that yourself, um, there's there's huge benefits to it because it allows you to start thinking about what, what is important to your current pool of talent. Um, so secondly, I'd say don't just put everyone into the same category. Um, no matter what, your organisation is made up a whole different diverse range of people, people with different skill sets, people with um, both potentially physical and neurodiversity. So um, actually just saying if you're building a new workspace, um, 
create something that caters for everyone so that it's going to attract the right people to it that you've got and also potentially you know as, as your organization grows or shrinks or whatever that may be you would ensure that you're attracting talent for the right reasons so um, and that's everything from spaces where people if you do create new and innovative agile type spaces in your office spaces where people can get their head down and think and shut the door um, just you know even if it's for an hour or two because some people don't like working in open plan offices and those are going to be the reasons why people stay away so make your space enticing make it innovative you know think out the box a bit create something that that is welcoming and inspiring and um, I think you know by training people the right way and about how to use it and how to use their time effectively when they're not in the office whether that be at home or in a co-working space or even just in a coffee shop you know actually give them the flexibility measure them by their outputs and and don't impose you know hefty rules on them around this they will get their job done um, if they're trusted uh, amazing the way I always look at it yeah, and, and in the Leader X book, I call it um, leading liberated teams. Um, and it is just that, yeah, just liberate people. But that the only way you can uh, know that is by actually asking them, how do you want to be led? How do you want to work? So I love that. Um, so, you know, we've come to the end of this fascinating conversation. Um, and I'm sure you've sparked loads of ideas off in, in people's minds. So if people wanted to connect with you, where could they find you? So um, if people are interested, want to get in touch, you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Justin Hyde, uh, or um, you can email me. So it's justin.hyde at workevolved.co.uk, or you can visit my website, and um, which is www.workevolved.co.uk. Um, and there's lots of information on there about sort of what we do um, and how I can help. So yeah, um, awesome. feel free to reach out. Yeah, well, I'll put all of those notes um, in the uh, the show notes so people can find you uh, and I'll tag you in all of the social media. So make it really easy for people to find you. Um, so I just want to say a huge thank you and also um, you, massive good luck because the world needs your work right now. So thank you. To all of us. No, great stuff. It's been great to be here. Thank you for your time. So that's another episode done. Don't forget to buy the book, Leader X, subscribe to the podcast and sign up to the newsletter at www.3wh.uk.com. That's the number three in the letters W and H. And now I call on you to step up, take control and lead with impact. Follow and subscribe so you don't miss out on another great guest. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Leader X podcast. The Leader X podcast is a gifted gab production for 3WH.